Oh yeah. Jewish on Jewish crime. What, what? Fendrick and yeah. Lefko. Fendrick, Fendrick and I right now. It's like coffee talk. We're yelling. Oh my We're yelling. gosh. Is this, is this 110? I think this is the... Mitchell Trubisky show. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, because nine was last week with Romo. That was It was nine. like ironic. Right. Yeah, so ten, uh, John LeClaire. Is Jimmy Garoppolo ten? He is. Okay. Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, let's see, X-10s and the Steve Barkowski back in the day, a quarterback. Hey, uh, loser boy, any Rutgers kids? No Rutgersky, any Fuck. famous soccer player from the country so of Brazil. So Fendrick and I are yelling because I said that we have a ton of things to get to, and I really like when there's a detailed rundown right. to send to the very loyal listeners of the Sims and Lefko podcast. Yes. And typically when he sends out the rundown, it's like podcast starts, and then 17 minutes we answer a Facebook question. And I know that our craziest shit happens in the first 15. 15. Yes. That's the only thing I was asking about, and now he's upset at me. All right, Adam. Let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. I was this. doing yes, a little left go inventory. Who, who does that email go to every week that you're referring to? Who gets that email? Myself, uh, Joe, like a higher up. Joe, Joe does not get it. So Sims doesn't get programming it. Programming people? Ooh, programming people. This is, I give this a is fuck. make the show. It will make the show because <laughs> I give a fuck about the people that listen that go, oh, it's six minutes. They talked about how Sims doesn't eat fucking eggs because that's the Sims Left Go podcast. I'll give a fuck about anything else. So how about instead of shitting all over the email that I send every week to a specific group of people with a specific group of needs that I am servicing through that email, yeah. why don't you just say, hey, Josh, I would like a time code list of the topics that we could send to our listeners. Because what our listeners might want is completely different than what our programmers need here at Bleacher Report. I think that you're taking the decision away from the programmers. No. You're, because is Mother Henning it? You're Mother Henning the programmers. What if they saw Sims talking about belching in locker rooms and went, oh, that could go under the trending tab? I would, I would put a time code for that. But Sims talking See, about... But- that's what I mean. We're back to bias. <laughs> but Fendrix's about- bias thinks that he knows what works on the internet. Uh, Josh, you guys are- Josh, I've been in this industry a long time. <laughs> it, it, uh, first of all, for the people out there, it started because Lefko said, Hey, Josh, when we change subjects, can you write this down for the time code? And then... Uh, Josh said, well, can Wait, I why do- does Josh get the deep voice and I get the whiny voice? <laughs> because you're, you're right. the whiner in this situation, Lefko. Fuck it. I guess because you are just because of that, yes. You know who else was the whiner? Uh, Jim Nance. And uh, continues to have gosh. A- hey, don't worry, Steve Rosner. Chris Sims is not going to say I'm not anything about crap. it. I'm not saying uh, Did you hear that Lance Barrow has been replaced? I did hear that, yes. It just happened. Jim Rickoff. Lance Barrow was like the Jim. producer for CBS. So now the Nance Sim Barrow... Uh, Booth is now Nance Rickoff Romo. The only one that remains, the Matt Lauer of sports broadcasting, Jim Nance. Uh, So how frustrating has this been? Because Sims has made some comments, and I was walking with him, and he goes, motherfucker, Rosner's just telling me to shut up about it. But everyone's asking him about it. What has it been like? Uh, It's really frustrating. I'm really, it's very frustrating. Yeah, I was on uh, Dallas ESPN yesterday. They asked me about it, like the fifth question in after asking about draft stuff. Yeah, I'm not talking about it anymore. I'm done. I'm sick of it. Um, 
Well, the news happened today. Phil Simms replacing Tony Gonzalez. Uh, He is going to the main studio. Uh, The big quote from your dad in an article that I saw, I believe, in Sports Business Journal, uh, Sean McManus, this is from Phil Simms. Sean McManus has talked to me over the years about maybe going into the studio. I now get to follow the league like I want to. That was probably the most frustrating thing about my job. You do one or two games a week. You can't really pay attention to the other teams. On Inside the NFL, I get to say things – I get to say things, oh, he said, I get to say things about stuff, which is a good one, <laughs> that I never get to say in a broadcast. It's the number one thing that we heard from Chris Collinsworth. Um, the only difference is, is then I think about Howie Long, Howie never gets to talk about anything. No, he does not. But I now believe that CBS has the best sports football pregame show in the business because I think Phil, Boomer, and Bart – are interesting people with different points of view. Right. Uh, Cowher is, I'm going to take the coach's side every yes, time. Right. I think Fox has nothing other than Howie, yeah. to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. I'm over the whole Terry shtick, Jimmy Johnson's whatever. Michael Strahan is really just there to laugh and then make a joke about Terry. Right. Uh, ESPN is okay, um, but I don't think it hit as well as they thought it was going to be. But that's really what I got. No, and that's what I, I listen, that's a. Uh... I appreciate the compliment there for my dad and the, the uh, you know the pregame show halftime show. I do. I really think in a lot of ways. Listen, I don't watch a lot of the pregame shows in general. Anyways, I'm usually working on CBS tops exactly. or I'm driving here to the office or right. whatever it may be. Um, so I don't even have a good feel for all of them altogether. Uh, I will say this, just as far as my dad's concerned. Yeah, I'm really excited for him. I mean, I do think this is something he is kind of wanted. He gets frustrated. You know, he leans on me at times for news or what's going on in the NFL right. because he does have to focus on two teams. Or when he's doing a Thursday night and a Sunday night game, he certainly had no time to focus on the other 28 teams in football. So he would ask me questions, you know, you know, what does that game look like? What's going on with yeah. that team? Blah, blah, blah. Because he's not, of course, not doing any of the I really believe it's going to extend his career. I hope so. Because I know, think he's going to kick ass. If anybody's seen my dad on Showtime's Inside the NFL, he definitely has a lot more personality than people realize. And if we were worried about no viewers on Showtime, well, did you know that CBS is the most watched network in television? Oh, I did. Because they'll fucking tell you about it. <laughs> but I am. And then uh, the biggest thing I think about for my father is, wow, like this is going to be the first football season he's had in a long time where he's not going to have to travel all around the country. Does that mean we're hanging out with Big Phil? Well, I mean, oh, we baby. at least get him on the podcast a few times. He'll be like, he'll yes. be dying to talk to somebody by the time Thursday or Friday Can comes along. Can you imagine along. if him and Howie are in a room? They won't oh. shut oh, up. Oh, never. The four-hour podcast. Howie Long is the hardest person to cut off in an interview because he has so much to say and yes. nowhere to say it. Yeah, he doesn't. Especially he when you talk to him about his days playing for John Madden. Or, I mean, he yeah, can just talk about that get for the hours. Intric- intricacies. Up. That was of- one of my most <laughs> embarrassing moments. All right, other thing I have to bring up. I Ooh, mean, you got something. Yeah, I do. Why are you not going to be at work tomorrow? Because I'm going to Louisville, Kentucky, because I'm allowed a day off in seven months. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to Louisville, Kentucky I got tomorrow. A big, I got a big weekend. Don't even tell me you're hemming another wedding dress. Don't no, even tell no me. Weddings. No, okay. weddings. no weddings. All right. You ever been to Keeneland? I just think it's real fishy that you're missing work on 420, and we had work tomorrow. Oh, wow. I didn't even We were supposed that. to do our draft dive, draft videos. We're moving it to next week. Oh, yes. No, you think, wow, taking a day off just for 420 would be pretty epic. Reckless. <laughs> really, really reckless. Because you know what happens on 420? Game of Zones is released. That's Bye. right. Download the, the Bleacher, the, excuse me, the BR app Ooh, and watch the BR. first episode. Smoke some weed and games. watch Games of Zones. Man.
You know, am I allowed to say that on the yeah. podcast? Yeah, yeah of course. Right, right. Uh, so we were just talking about CBS, and uh, my friend Ira from Cook Shop said, "You're going to talk about the craziness that happened on Survivor last week, right?" And I said, "Yeah, that's why we're going to be doing the new segment with yes, Josh Fendrick breaking down Survivor. What the hell happened?" Uh, so I would say that last week's episode of Survivor was one of the lowest moments in the history of the show. We're in season 34 right Somebody now. Somebody eat a bug. Way worse. Did you guys even hear what happened or no? no? I have not, no. Okay, so basically... We don't check Facebook news feed. <laughs> Where else am I going to hear about Survivor? From right Pe- here. People.com. So uh, one of the tribes went to tribal council. Uh, Jeff Varner, one of the castaways, was in big trouble. He was knew he was being voted out, and he was trying to make a case to his tribe over why they should vote out uh, this other guy, Somebody Zeke, else. on his tribe. And in an effort to explain why this guy, Zeke, should be voted out and why he was extremely deceptive, he outed Zeke as transgender to the entire tribe. So oh. Zeke was actually a woman. And then he got fired from his job. And I got, did see He this. got fired from his Zeke, job, yeah. Oh, Zeke got fired? No, no, no. The Jeff transgender man. No, 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 no. Jeff got fired the from his that, job. The guy that called out the person that Correct. was transgender. Sorry, so I had it wrong. Zeke wow. is transgender. He's now a man. Now, now time out. Survivor is not live, so they, cho- not. they chose to air that. Correct. So CBS, uh, this was in a Washington Post article that I read about it, where CBS basically explained that they worked with Zeke, uh, Jeff, and a PR firm wow. over the 10 months since this happened wow. to figure out how they were going to release it. And right after the show ended, uh, Jeff released a statement. There was a statement from multiple agencies wow. from CBS. Did we know? Did you know all along that he was transgender? No, no, nobody knew. Zeke said on the show. So this guy Zeke, he's the one that got fired from his job. No, no Jeff. Zeke Jeff, was Jeff is the transgender. Okay, sorry. Person. I got. I'm yeah. sorry. So Jeff outed this guy on the show. On the show because in front was, of the tribe and council session. Because he was saying to the tribe, he's so deceptive. Zeke is he deceiving even deceives you all. us over his gender. Correct. He's creating all these alliances that you don't what know about. And he's going to vote you out. And then he said, this guy is so deceptive, he's deceptive in ways you don't even realize. For example, Zeke, how come you haven't told any of these people that you're transgender? Coming and, up next on Survivor, and Zeke responds. Jeff, Jeff Varner. Was Jeff voted out? Uh, he was voted out. And actually, Jeff Probst, the host, said after they had the discussion about this, do we even need to vote? Are we just sending Jeff home? And everyone said, yes, we're sending Jeff home. How did Jeff so, know? No one, no one has clarified to what <laughs> I've seen of how Jeff knew. Uh, but Zeke said on the show that he's not out to a lot of his friends, wow. that there was a point in his life where wow. he decided he was going to stop telling people. Uh, and then this guy, Jeff Varner, just outed him on the show. So, so. Zeke was a girl, yes. and now he's a guy. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it was really sad, honestly, yeah. to watch a guy stoop that low to try and uh, save himself in the game. Yeah, that's I mean, it was really sad to watch. In the social media era, that's not that surprising. Yeah, This so anyway. is truly one of those topics where like, every word I say, I'm like, like, you know that part where, like, uh, in Zach Galifianakis, he's, like, going through all the equations in his head. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what not to say. Yep. All I'll say is that's one of the biggest douchebag moves it was I've awful. ever heard. It was really awful. Um, the tribe, one of the coolest things to see was the tribe completely rallied around Zeke to defend him immediately awesome. and attack Jeff for outing Do him. Do you think because of the sympathy factor, Zeke has a real chance at winning now because everyone's like, man, you really got fucked over? Uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to see because there's still, I think there's I'm 14. My, I'm putting my eggs in that basket. There's 14. Sympathy, the sympathy Zeke vote. There's 14 Zeke. castaways left in the game. Uh, there were like six people or seven people at this tribal council. I don't know if 
news of what happened is going to make its way to the other tribe. Are we ready to move on to football? I think we are. Uh, so Aaron Hernandez uh, found dead in his cell. Yeah. Uh, his lawyer claiming it's foul, fair, foul play. The official reports that it was suicide. Um, I, we were doing this on Facebook Live today. One, it's tragic to see someone this successful reach this point. Mm-hmm. Two, it's crazy to realize because the guilt, the guilty verdict that he had actually gotten because it was under appeal actually means that Aaron Hernandez dies as an innocent man. Think about that. So then we, I know that we talked about Odin Lloyd's family. All those people that we wanted to get closure now don't have closure. But from the Aaron Hernandez perspective, I didn't realize that you were sitting in the tight end room because George Godsey was the tight end coach and you were his bitch boy. Yes. I didn't realize that you were sitting there with Hernandez and Gronk almost every day. Not every day, but a lot. But I mean, a definitely good a few times a week. Yeah, certainly. To sit in there, uh, to sit in the back of the room as George would run the meeting. And yeah, I would just really observe. And, you know, if he needed something, I had to scramble and do yeah. it. Um, and you, I know that you feel you felt deceived by Hernandez. You were texting him the day before. I was texting Aaron Hernandez. Hernandez the day before, I, it was a Sunday afternoon, he was worried about his ankle, and we were like in July. When did the whole Olden Lloyd thing happen, right? Like mid-July, so, early yeah, July, right? right? Um, and texting with him, giving, the, giving him the doctor's information out in Denver, and then the next day, I, you know, wake up, whatever, go to work, and it's starting the, the whole news cycle starting about right. what happened. Um, yeah, very weird day for me. I was really heartbroken to see him dead, right, this morning when I woke up and saw that. Uh, yeah, it did. It, it, it hurt me. Uh, I did know him. Uh, we had a very good relationship. Um, uh, he was, you know, first of all, it was a life lesson, like I've told you, and the fact that, you know, you just never know with people, right? right? I mean, listen, I saw that there was a little bit of a bad side, and I knew he hadn't had the greatest upbringing in the history of the world either, and knew the bad element had uh, kind of crawled back into his life when he signed the new contract with the Patriots. Oh, and that's when you saw a change. That well, yeah, that's when the bad element had gotten back into his life. That's how we you knew could that. just. How could you? Well, tell? we knew the Patriots knew. Everybody knew. We we they were starting to see the some of the old characters hanging around him that they gotcha. used to see him coming out in the draft and all the people. How that, do you see that? Like private well, investigator? Yeah, stuff? not even private investigator, but you know, even in like just the people that wait for him after the game. The position gotcha. coaches get. You know they get to have personal relationships because it's people. like their little crew, right? And then you know, oh, it's a it's a Tuesday afternoon, it's a player's day off, and maybe Aaron Hernandez wants to come in and get the real early game plan or something like that. Man. He might bring two or three friends in the building with him real quick. And you were saying that you would go nine days in a row, and it would be Chipper Aaron Hernandez, and then that one day would come, and you'd go, "Who the fuck is this?" Exactly guy? right. That was, and, and I, and you know, actually, I've, I've had some writers ask me about this, and it's, I guess it holds true with most people that knew Aaron Hernandez. They all talked about this one day, right? Because he nine days in a row, you'd be like, "Man, he's the most charismatic guy in the building. He's friendly. He's fun. Fun. Yeah. Loves football. I mean, here later than anybody. Working the hardest. Not even close. Yeah. And but then he would have this one day where, yeah, you'd walk into the breakfast cafe cafeteria room in the morning and you'd be like I you know usually I'd go like hey what's up hey how you doing man good to see you but you'd look at him in that day and go ooh something's wrong with him I don't even want to go say hi to him because he looks like he might punch me in the face because he killed and somebody the night before well he just obviously there was some social issues Shit. there something yeah. right and I also uh, can, thought, I, can yeah. I ask a question yeah. about that real quick yeah. 
uh, and I, you know, I'm going down a road here that may not be appropriate to go. Was that at all similar to what Brandon was like when he was going he actually, through? Sim said that okay. earlier. I did. It, 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 you know, because that to me sounds like bipolar. I, I know. It, it, so, some some sort. And I'm of, talking about Brandon Marshall here, for right? Anyone. Some right. sort of disorder, and we certainly don't want to lump Brandon Marshall into Aaron Hernandez category. No. Brandon Marshall uh, also went and got himself he got treatment help. and figured it yep. out. Yes. And that's why it's so important to get help. Yes, exactly right. But yes, it's very similar to that because Brandon Marshall was. Hands down, great, great the most charismatic and guy. Days. And then every now and then you'd walk in and you go, man, what the hell's wrong with him? Yesterday it was, you know, ear to ear smile, jokes, nice compliments, blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, man, you can't even approach him because yep. mm-hmm. he's that kind of mood. Uh, the other thing that you were saying earlier is where do you, you thought he's overall maybe a top five player that you've ever encountered? That I've ever been around in like person on a day-to-day basis? Now, time out. You always go, I had football catches with Dan Marino. Yeah. I played with John Elway. Right. I mean, look, I'm not putting him in that class. I'm okay. talking about people I was around like every day of the week at Texas, my pro teams. Tampa Bay. That I got so to you're see. putting him up there with the Warren Saps and the yes. Brian Dawkins. I am. His physical ability and was the Albert Hainsworth's. special, special, special physical ability. Like I've told you, he was quicker than Julian Edelman or Wes Welker, but he weighed 245 pounds, and he could beat them in a straight-ahead race, too. Uh, he could do lots of things on the football field. Yes, he was one of those guys where I knew he was really good when I went there, but then, like, it was one of those guys where, like, the second day of practice, I was like, holy shit, like, is it me or is Aaron Hernandez, like, fucking awesome? Yeah. And they were like, oh, I know. Isn't he? If he would have kept playing... And none of this happened. Because that's the story of Ander Hernandez, what yeah. could have been. Right. He'd be, I mean, it, it would be a special combination of Gronk and Hernandez, and everything would be based around them. And, Man. yeah, I mean, the sky's the limit. So I'm sad from that standpoint. I'm sad. Uh, listen, I'm not condoning any of his actions. To me, he's reverse Ray Rice. Ray Rice has been an amazing guy right. with a moment that you don't think is indicated, right. uh, an indicator of him. Right. Aaron Hernandez was a good guy, yeah. but that was actually to cover up Might have been. all the darkness yeah. that was there. Certainly. Um, Certainly. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, it's very ironic uh, and, and sad that this happens on the same day the Patriots go to the White House. Yeah. Uh, and something kind of funny happened at the White House. I'll try and bring some levity to this. So a shitload of players did not go. Oh. We knew this was going to be the case. So Trump apparently, in talking about the team, got the list of players ahead of time and really only talked about the guys that showed up. Right. So he wasn't talking about, like, whatever. I heard he didn't say Tom Brady's Tom name, Tom Brady right? didn't go. He didn't even talk about Tom Brady, which yeah, just all he talked about was right. Tom Brady. Right. So Trump apparently mentioned Danny Amendola for his fourth down catch. And Amendola was one of the players that skipped the trip. And the quote was, so the fourth down conversion by Danny Amendola. Where is Danny? And he looked back (laughs) to the players behind him, and he wasn't there. And he goes, way to go, Danny. And there's no one there. And that was what we knew. So what I did was I have uh, a writer actually looked at a picture, and he found – he figured out who didn't go. Yeah. I have printed out rosters. Oh, you're the man. And I'd like to play a game with you. Who actually went and who didn't go to the Trump White House? So I am. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say a name, yep. and I want you to guess whether he went or not. This is awesome. Did Jimmy Garoppolo go? Yes, he did. I'll go. No, Jimmy Garoppolo did go. Yeah. So did Jacoby Brissett. No doubt. They're back of quarterbacks. They're Both too afraid. They're like Belichick might be pissed at me if I don't go. I gotta go. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Garoppolo is from Ohio, right? Yeah, he went to Illinois. I know, but... Oh, Ohio, yeah. I think Swing State. All right. Yeah, yeah, Swing State is what I'm saying. I'm yeah. going to ask you, uh, uh, of these three guys, 
LeGarrette Blunt, James White, Dion Lewis, which ones went to the White House picture? LeGarrette Blunt, James White, which well, the three one? running backs. I will go uh, Dion Lewis went. I'm going James White went. Trick question, none of them. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, did Julian Edelman go? Yes. No. He did. Are you kidding? Julian Edelman and Chris Hogan went, and Matthew Slater. Michael Floyd did not. Danny okay. Amendola did not. Malcolm Mitchell did as well. Okay. Young guys are going to be scared not to go. Martellus Bennett, no way he went, right? Because he would have said Martellus so. Bennett did not okay. go. Yeah, we want to um, waste our time there. I'm almost positive that every offensive lineman went. Like when I went through it, I see that they went. Chris, can you psychoanalyze the offensive line for me? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I can. Uh, first of all, offensive linemen, there's going to be a lot of them just in Excuse general. Me, I apologize. Yeah. Adrian Waddle did not go. He did not go. Uh, offensive linemen, for the most part, they're just going to be. And Shaq Mason. Also, ooh, there's up. two of them? Two yeah. of them. Didn't. Well, hey, the two black guys didn't go. Yeah, right. Nate Solder, Joe Thune, David Andrews. Te- Marcus yeah. Cannon, though, he was there. He was there. Yeah. But, uh, I mean. You listen, were there, Marcus. Majority from what you've heard around the NFL, too, like offensive lineman was the most pro-Trump yeah. uh, position, right? right? And right. it's probably the most white position as well. So I think there has to be acknowledged uh, into the conversation as well. Offensive lineman, two, I'll just say this. Politically, not politically, I do think they more edge on the side of the right and the conservatism, mm. right? They're elephants, they're cows, they're grazers. That's what they do. That is what they do. Can you I, know who's a little bit rebellious? The defense. The D-line. Well, I was just going to say, offensive linemen, they never get any credit for anything. They're never in front of a microphone or a camera. So I feel like them, even aside from politics, might just want to go to the White I House. I think so, the too. They, would, the, they have a big, bigger perspective of everything. Yeah. So that is All right, that let's is go to the defense. Yeah. Did Chris Long go to the White House? No way. I'm going to say no. No. Why do you say no way? Because, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how to say this without taking a cheap shot at the president, I guess. I don't even know how to well, say what it. Are you, well, say, talk more about Chris Long. Well, I just think the Long family is not into excuse makers or hypocrites, and they don't play that game. You nailed it. He okay. Didn't go. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, did Trey Flowers go? Ooh, young guys are always interesting. I'll say yes. I'm going to say no. I think he's earned enough stripes to go no. Trey Flowers went. Ah, what, about, what about his backup, Jabal Shear? No way. No, no way. Why do you say no way? Because he's the older guy that's probably not even sure he's going to – or he's not back with New England, right? Uh, so he's probably like the hell with you guys. Jabal Sheard went. Did he? Jabal Sheard Ooh, went. Oh, man. Yes. Baby. Um, Dante Hightower. No. Did Dante Hightower go to the White House? No way. Man. Dante is such a company guy, though. Too, he's he's. I love Chris psychoanalyzing all the. <laughs> I'm going to say no, though. He did not. Okay. No. In fact, that was one of the things mentioned was he's mentioning all the big plays. It's like Dante High Tower strip fumble. Uh, no, he, he can't mention it because Dante Hightower didn't go. <laughs> right. This is the easiest one. Rob Ninkovich. <laughs> yes. Fuck yes. yeah, he went. Uh, you know, Rob Ninkovich sets the eds and shakes Trump's hand. <laughs> Malcolm Butler. Did Malcolm Butler go? No. Negative Ghost Rider. Logan, he did not. Right. Logan Ryan, did he no. go? I'm going to say yes. He did not. Okay. Eric Rowe. No. No. And McCordy said a while Eric ago. Eric Rowe he did go. Did he go? He was the only corners that went were Justin Coleman, Jonathan Jones, and Eric Rowe. Cyrus Jones, Logan Ryan, and Malcolm Butler did not. Um, McCordy said a long time ago he wasn't going, right? Wasn't yes, he, he did. Yeah. He did. Uh, you're McCordy right. did not go. Deron Harmon did not go. Patrick Chung did not go. You think Nate Ebner went? 
guess so with the way your body looks. <laughs> well, he was Mr. America. I know. He's Mr. Ohio, you know, football player. All right, so this is where it gets good. <laughs> what a segment, Lepko. You really outdid yourself Did Steven Goskowski go? Yes. Yes, he did. He did. Yeah. And now, oh. okay, did so, he go? so for everyone that did doesn't know, during the draft, was it two years ago? <laughs> it was two Josh years ago. Josh was the lead producer for the NFL draft. And yeah. in the fifth or the sixth round, we were catching up from behind. I'm on the, the set with Matt Miller. And a long snapper by the name of Joe Cardona out of Navy was selected by the Patriots. If you'll remember, he had one of the quickest snaps to catches right. out there. Well, we did the video, and apparently I referred to him as Joe Cardonia. Cardonia. This is Enya in there. This is a very famous story in the Bleacher Report video. Montana, Cardonia. Well, it comes back from quality control. Yep. Adam added an Enya to Joe Cardona's name. Can you redo the video? Yeah. Let's redo the video. In the redo, apparently I said Cardona, and then at the end I said Cardonia. Cardonia. I did it again. To which Josh gets in the ear and goes, hey, we're going to have to do that again. I am not always a diva. Was this one of the first bicker sessions between you two oh, right no, here? No, no, no. 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 This was just the this. most famous. I turned into the recently fired Bill O'Reilly, and I said, Josh, there's no fucking way that I'm redoing a video for a fifth-round long snapper the Enya is not that big of a deal. <laughs> we went up and back for about, I don't know, five, six minutes to the point where I got so infuriated that I uttered the words, Josh, you have a better chance of me taking a shit on this desk than doing that video again. It's true. Yeah, he and, did. He did and say we, that. We moved on to the next video. We did. It's not my proudest moment. Right. But it was a good moment. Man, I would have liked to see him take a shit on that desk. Joe man. Cardona. Did he go to the White House? No. <sighs> it's a long story. I'm going to say no, too. You're going to tell me that a man that went to serve in the Navy didn't go to the White House, yeah. and you're wrong. Okay. Joe Cardona. Damn it. I, I mean, was, hey, listen. I don't, once why, again. Why, left, why would he? I mean, the guy's only said that who can trust these people. They've they're, they're been wrong about their reports for years and years. Once again, Lefko beats Fendrick in the Cardona battle. <laughs> oh, there <laughs> So you is. like that. That was Patriots that, was fun. that went and didn't go to the White House. Uh, speaking of going places, I ran into a crazy moment on Thursday, and I'd like to share it with you guys and get your insight. Sure. My friend Turtle came up from Kentucky for Randall Cobb's wedding. Randall Cobb was getting married in New York. And he, we went out Thursday. We had dinner. We had drinks. And he said, hey, uh, I'm going to go meet up with Randall. Why don't you guys come and we'll hang out? So we go up to Midtown, and we go out to a bar, and I walk in, and I see Randall Cobb. And I go, okay, I've seen Randall Cobb before. To his left, Aaron freaking Rogers. Man. Recently single Aaron Rodgers. Like he got broken up two days beforehand yeah. with Aaron Rodgers. Well, and so can I say this? First of all, Lefko sends me a text. Can I read the text, right? So he like, also left us a voice memo. I left a at drunk I morning. left a drunk voice memo that I do not remember what I said. So he basically just sends me a text out of nowhere. No context, nothing. He just goes, Rogers is such an interesting dude to watch. He doesn't have presence. <laughs> But he does. He's not big, but he is. He's just a guy. And I get home, and it's like a Thursday night, and I'm like, where did this come from? What are you watching? And he was like, I was drinking with this group last night. And I'm like, okay. 
But and then what was my voice memo? Your voice memo. How did, did it end? Did you listen to the voice memo, Chris? He didn't leave me a voice oh, memo. Oh, he did. You I don't think just... Sims knows how to do it. So here's the problem <laughs> is that voice memos disappear. Oh, so yeah. That's why I if, send them. Right. So if, you didn't, <laughs> so if you didn't listen to it fast enough, it was gone. He left us a voice memo at 2 o'clock in the morning as he was walking home from being with Rodgers and Cobb, yeah. explaining how he spent the night drinking with the greatest quarterback of all time. Greatest. And as a result, he might start referring to himself as the greatest podcast host of all time. <laughs> I love it. And I don't remember saying that at all, which makes it so much better. So the question that I have for you guys is, I look over, we're mingling, like we're all talking all that shit. I'd have been all over. Do you right. talk to Aaron? I never talked to you him. Didn't say a word. So here's, here's the question I'm going to say. My friend was like, man, I can't believe you didn't go over and talk to him. Like, you got starstruck and shit. And I went, no. no you got the opposite of that. The, here's what, what happened to me. I looked over. He had all these people talking to him. There, he was kind of standing there dancing and all that stuff. We gave, like, a head nod to each other. Like, kind of just like two people the that made eye contact. The old head nod. Yeah, the old, like, you're a guy looking at me and it's not going to be weird. So I know you, you know who I am and I'll nod back. I'm Adam Lefko of the <laughs> Sims and Lefko podcast. I never, like... What am I going to do? Yeah. I'm going to walk over and be like, hey, Aaron, just to let you know, like, my name's Adam. I work at Bleach Report. I think you're fucking dope. I know that you're trying. Like, I don't want to have that fucking conversation. Yeah. I don't want to do it. He's talking to girls. I'm doing what I'm doing, which is very similar. And, like, let the man go. When a lion sees another lion in the jungle, <laughs> he don't go over there and say, what up, lion? yo, how do, you run your, how do you run your herd? What do you do with your pack? No, you just go, that's a lion, I'm a lion. Where, where did they have to do a good job of keeping people away from him that night? Or the, that the girls was why all I over sent him? you that text. Yeah, because nobody really knew no one Aaron ever goes. Yeah, no one really goes over to him. But right. here's the thing. Like, I was explaining this to my friend Turtle. I said, when Sims walks in, it's a six-foot-five guy, and he's loud, and he's sticking his hand out there, and you're like, that is someone that has played in front of 50,000 people before. Right, right. Aaron is, like, my height. He doesn't have the Tony Romo body, but he's not huge. Yeah, no. He's you kind of watch him. He doesn't command a room. He's almost like if I went out with a group, like in that group, Randall had more juice than him. There was Randall's like one of his best men was kind of he had more juice. Aaron's kind of just standing there. Yeah. And that's why I feel like the Niners passed on him early on. And people are always like, man, there's something weird with Aaron. Because we expect him to be this like super duper stuff. Alpha. Yeah. And he's got no juice. No, he's he's just kind of chilling. And I respect that. And man, that's. This whole Olivia Munn thing is interesting, but I'm just glad you guys. You're, so you're cool with me not going over. Uh, you would have. Yeah, I would have. But uh, yeah, I am cool with you not going over. Yeah, I, I mean, don't if play I the went whole over, I wouldn't have been like, you know, yeah, you guys I, have like a fraternity, right? Shit. So I maybe have said more, but I am a. I'm a sports fan, and when I see people that I really love in sports, I do like to go over them and just tell, hey, like, hey, you're the man. I don't always say who I am or yes. whatever else. So um, the one time that I've done that, yeah. I was at a fashion show, and I think I told you Lennox Lewis was there, yeah. and he was walking by, and me and Lennox were both like out of place. Like It's like five-foot-two guys with mohawks and just like six-foot Amazons walking around. Right. And he walked by, and I just hit him, and I said, dude, you're a fucking bad man. And he looked at me, and he was like, thanks, man. I appreciate Because we were both out of sorts. Yes. But if I'm with my crew, I yeah. don't want to talk right. to anybody. That's yep. the cool thing about New right, York. Good. And that's why guys like that like coming to New York, because they can escape and not have to deal with people coming up yeah, cause autographs. Because when he goes out in downtown Green Bay, I can't, he can't go out in downtown imagine. Green Bay. We're going to get to Twitter questions and iTunes, and then... Uh, 
Fendrick. Fendrick scouting report in a second. Uh, oh, you need some battery? I do. Oh, uh. Chris Sims wasn't prepared. God, I've heard <laughs> that a million times. The only other news I wanted to get out, Hard Knocks looks like it's going to officially be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One cool. buck place. One buck place, baby. Um, the house that Sims built. I have four storylines. <laughs> I have five storylines. I'm interested. One, will they mention Chris Sims at all? Man, I hope my pictures are still up. I know Gruden moved a few pictures around of me. Stop. It, yeah, that's what I was told. What do you mean? Because like, like over the urinals? when it got done, like <laughs> and everything, when everything got you know towards the end there, and it got a little ugly to me. I, there was a huge picture of me like outside the head coach's office, and that's so. Funny. People in the facility told me he asked to have it moved. <laughs> so <laughs> I wonder if I'm so still there. So my my top four storylines were going to be. Jameis Winston's speeches, just like him, like following him around, all that stuff. Uh, the Doug Martin went through his addiction coming back. They'll focus on that. Yep. The shiny new toy, Deshaun Jackson. No doubt. What he's going to be like at practice. And then the only other storyline I really had for them, other than like focusing on Gerald McCoy a lot, is the mental makeup of Roberto Aguayo uh, and the kicking battle. You're probably right. That one I think will be a huge – were there any other storylines that I missed that are interesting? No, I think you're right. I think you're pretty much spot on. And they're going to be a good team for this. I, I mean, think they're I – think, and I also – on the cusp. Yes. You know, perfect the, for Was it, it the te- – no, who was last year? Last year was the – Wait, no, no, two years ago was two the Texans. Two years ago was Texans. Hold on. Last year wasn't Cincinnati. Last year was not Arizona. That was Amazon. No, uh, yeah. Wait, what Shit. the hell was last year? Hold on a second. Rams. Rams. L.A. move. Oh, God. Right. We're not going to go 8-8. Eight eight. Uh, yeah. You're right. You went 4-12. <laughs> uh, okay, so, yeah, Tampa Bay Bucks. Woo. I think it'll be a really good one. Training camp in Tampa. Gosh. You miss it? No, not training camp. <laughs> Fuck no. So hot. So hot. Like, that's where I, you know, a lot of teams in the South, they miss out. Like, for some reason, there's this stigma of you should only have a bubble or an indoor field in a cold place, right? No, the the hot teams need the indoor place, too, because there's no sense in going out and practicing in 105-degree heat every day. Well, I'll tell you what, Chris, when you're up there and it's, you know, it's 75 degrees in Arizona – You'll remember those hundred degree days, and I mean, it will toughen you. It's up. just like a, a team. We here work in hard New York. now to play. Easy they don't later. need to practice outside in the cold every day. They live in it. They're here every day, They're so used you get to it. some of it. Sure, you want to practice outside, but you don't. Yeah. You got to save your players. All right. So we asked uh, last week. Let's do the iTunes and Twitter, and then we'll get to Josh Fendrick's scouting report when yep. we go back to college football. Yep. Uh, we asked people please leave a five star review and then leave a review as a comment, and we'll read those instead of Twitter. So you went through this and you found some good stuff first review i want to read from itunes best football podcast is the subject line from shkdiv on april 17th a simple sentence in this review if you're looking to take your football knowledge from six to midnight this is the podcast Ah, i like it boner jokes uh okay (laughs) i didn't even get that (laughs) e30wds wrote amazing this is the best sports podcast slash show period I consider myself a huge diehard football fan, and this show has really opened up and expanded how I think of uh, how I think of football and how to see if a player is good or not. That's awesome. On that note, I have a question for the podcast. Uh oh. Will Ryan Tannehill ever become a great QB, or will he be stuck in this average tier forever? 
when is it time for the Dolphins to give up on him and try to find another QB? Would you say that next year is the year? I, you know, I don't think it. Well, we're getting close to that line. I don't think. Listen, you second know my year thought. under Adam Gase. Yeah, second year under Adam Gase. Last year was very good. Yeah, really. I think the years before that are better than people realize. You know, we all we got to stop as fans just looking at the bottom line for quarterbacks all the time and going, "Well, there's the win loss record, and that's what all that counts for the quarterback." Yeah, listen, I understand that's very important, but I don't think any of us are sitting here going. Man, the Dolphins haven't made the playoffs because Ryan Tannehill has been underperforming no. the past few yeah, years. Yeah, their coach, they had a really bad coach for a few years. Yes, and exactly defense right. defense stunk. Um, I, I really like the you're way. You're higher on Tannehill than most. I am higher on most, and I think last year at least really confirmed to me that he's going in the right direction. I mean, uh, I just think. With you saw a lot of progression. In I him. did, yes, and I think just the decision-making, he does have physical ability. We're talking about the 12th-rated quarterback in football last year. Was he really? Yeah, I mean, and they That's finally have average. right, and they bet they finally have weapons around him. Yeah, I mean, Tannehill. I feel like Tannehill with the word average is Joe Flacco with the word elite. Like everyone's like, is Joe Flacco elite? And Tannehill, they're like, he's just an average guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I know you're higher on the most. I am higher on the most. You know, I, I really am, and I think they have a running game and an offensive line that's forming around them and yeah. some weapons at receiver. I think next year was the year because Devontae Parker better hit his stride in year three. They yep. gave all that money to Kenny Stills. Right. I think Landry is a hell of a weapon to got have. Got Julius Thomas. You got Joseph Adai. Yeah. Um, you Jay got Ajayi. Jay Ajayi. Wow, Joseph, Joseph Adai. Yeah. Julius Kenyon Drake. Yeah. Julius Thomas? Julius, Julius Thomas. Thomas. They traded, yeah, they for, traded, they traded for Brandon Albert. And I think also everyone talks about the second year of Adam Gase being this huge growth period. I think we're going to figure it out this year. Yes, I would agree. Next review to read by Johannes D. Lee, my favorite NFL podcast. Adam talking over Chris, Chris having to look at the teams, and Fendrick making Survivor sound watchable are staples. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, all right, let me get one up that actually has a question in it. I just wanted to read that. No, those are good. Uh, okay. Badwater 13 on April 14th, subject line, why aren't more of these freak DBs playing offense? And the question is, is it just me or does Sims get more excited from a pure athlete standpoint talking about the corners and safeties in this draft rather than the wide receivers and running backs? And if so, why aren't some of these freak DBs playing offset, uh, playing offense? Yeah, well, okay, that, that's a good – first of all, I am way more excited about the cornerbacks and safeties of this class than I am the running backs and wide receivers. The running backs, hey, it's, it's a pretty good class in general. Uh, but, I mean, I think the conversation for, like, true eliteness is really kind of maxed out of around three to five running backs, right? It's like the big three with yep. Cook, McCaffrey, Fournette. Then you throw all Mixon and Kamara in there. And we think, okay, those guys sure can be elite running backs. The rest – you know, we like some things about them, but we got to see a little bit more. Uh, the wide receivers are very underwhelming, in, in my opinion. I mean, yes, it's the Mike Williams, John Ross, Juju Smith-Schuster. Those are the guys I get excited about, along with, like, my man Curtis Samuel at Ohio State, yeah. whether you want to count him as a running back or a receiver. Uh, the DBs are special. Now, why do DBs not play more wide receiver? That's the first thing. Because they can't catch. They're clapping. Your, he's cla- left goes clapping his hands. They yes, heard it. That's a lot of them have... Uh, issues playing the ball or doing anything with the football in general, and that's why they've been moved to DB at some point in their high school career or their what college career. What percentage of defensive backs started off their careers as wide receivers? I mean, I, I would say very few. I would say most defensive backs started off their careers as running backs. 
right? Really? Just give him the ball. He doesn't got to catch it. And he's really fast. Just toss him in. He'll run. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Most of the defensive backs that play in the NFL were, yeah, they probably killed peewee football as a running back. Right. Right? That's interesting. I mean, they dominate. But So yeah. you're telling me, do you think – you can be someone that is not a good catcher and catch so many balls from the jugs machine that you could become a good catcher? I, I, I think there's a or limit as far as when that happens. Wow, so you think that you were born with an ability to catch. Yes, like, listen, if like, you're I think kid, I have good hands. If you're that kid as a freshman in high school and you can't catch and then you work on it and then you actually get to play in games and play receiver in a high school game and get to go. You know, there's one thing about catching a ball from a jug machine or running routes against air and catching it from the receiver. But then when you have to finally catch that slant at full and you're running and full you can speed feel a safety. and you feel a guy on your back and you go, man, there's a guy right behind me. And man, out of the corner of my eye, I see this middle linebacker or this other guy coming at me too. Oh wait, there's a ball coming to me at 60 miles per hour. That's when it changes. So that's where it becomes. Man, a, I just got really stressed out. Really right, right. <laughs> I used to throw balls to like, you know, the Brandon Marshalls of the world over the middle and things like that. And I just be like, I mean, you, you just, you have to be a physical freak to do that right there. Uh, that was it for questions on iTunes, so I'll switch over to Twitter in a second here. I do want to read one more review from Matt and CT. Five stars. Uh, headline is accessible to the layman and expert alike. So here's what he wrote. I've been listening to this podcast for over a year, and I never get tired of it. Chris brings a unique and candid perspective as a former NFL QB, regularly peppering his commentary with colorful anecdotes from his playing days. Adam is your everyman, the guy at the bar, the guy at the wedding, the guy at the office. He asks questions that real fans want to ask. His impassioned commentaries are always thought-provoking. Producer Josh often steals the show. <laughs> that was that's a great a, review into that last sentence. That's yeah. the review from Matt and CT. All, All right. right, so before you get to Twitter, yeah. I got a Facebook message on my page, Adam Lefko BR, from Jake Hughes, and he wrote, tried to submit this below as a review, five stars. It wouldn't go through. Keep doing what you're doing. You're great. So he wrote, I've been listening to your podcast for the last nine months. I've never been a podcast guy, but I got sick of Bleacher Report putting your ads on my feed, so I gave it to a listen. Now I don't miss <laughs> an episode <laughs> sometimes when i know i have a big trip for work i'll skip a few episodes and binge so he wrote about how the nfl draft is his favorite event of the year but he's got to fly somewhere and he's not gonna be able to watch the first round and he went on this whole story about being like i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna do oh this is so crazy um man where's he gonna fly to he's gonna be in the air that whole time so i don't know what it's he's a saying. solid four hour flight he says that he's been thinking about just creating a Twitter to kick it in. He says, I'll keep writing my candid quips, and I hope you men get a kick out of them. Keep it real, fellas. You guys are the fucking best. You're dedicated follower, Jake Hughes. Jake, appreciate you, bro. Appreciate it, Jake. You the man. Twitter, Twitter. questions? All right. Let's get it going with Max Mulcahy at Max underscore J underscore Mulcahy. What is the Brown strategy for the future? Why not build an O-line and a defense instead of drafting offensive skill positions? Well, they did build an O-line. Yep. Their O-line looks amazing it right does. now. It does. It's got a tremendous potential, whether it's uh, whether they got uh, J.C. Treader. Yep. Uh, Joe Thomas at left. Joe Thomas at left. They got um, the guard uh, Zeitler from the Bengals, right? Am Man, I, I think you're right. And then Cameron Irving's still there. Greco's there. So the O-line is set. Now their D-line certainly needs some help. Uh, inside, Antonio, right? We said Antonio? Joel Antonio, right. Shit. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's got a chance to be a really special O-line. D-line, they do need help. They need well, more. And they have Miles Garrett. Right. So you get Miles Garrett for it's the a edge. a huge piece. They need to bol bolster the middle, in my opinion, for some more quality players. Skill guys, uh, yeah, they need them, but it, it shouldn't be like the number one thing they're going after in the draft. They just need a quarterback to be 
to get the fan base around, to give some hope to the Browns, and to just a guy that Hugh Jackson can work with. That's mm. the biggest thing. Other skill guys, listen, I like the kid from Baylor last year, right? Uh, Corey uh, Coleman. Corey Coleman, thank you very much. Him with Kenny Britt, that's a pretty good combo uh, at the wide receiver position. And, you know, we'll see what they do with the draft from there. You know, DB, uh, that is another area you could look at the Cleveland Browns. Yes. And I would say at the top of the second, maybe that's what they think because that's where I think you know the value what though, like I'm be. looking at their team: Danny Shelton, Emmanuel Ogba, Carl Nassib, Xavier Cooper. Uh, not bad pieces. Not bad if pieces. If you put a Miles Garrett next yes. to him, you got Jamie Collins and K- Christian Kirksey at linebacker. Right. They could use another linebacker there. Uh, but like Joe Hayden, they need a safety. Uh, and may, uh, you know what? If they were to get a Miles Garrett at one, and let's say a Hooker or an Adams fell, which I don't know. No, if not happen. them. But more thinking like the Marcus May from Florida or Josh at 12, Jones. From, oh, at twelve, but at twelve me, they could also get one of the bigger name corners. They could exactly. You know, right. or what if that middle linebacker that you, Hassan Riddick falls down there at twelve? You, know you put him it. next to Jamie Collins. Watch My out. question for them was going to be Greg Williams. What is the most important thing for him to use his defense? Is it D line? Yeah, no, D-line, yeah, he's going to want some more true edge pass rushers. So, and to there's me, really none in this draft. No, and, and they need more interior, like you named some good names, like the Xavier Cooper. Yeah. Like Emmanuel Agba, he's going to have to change his position, really, basically. I think you're going to see him almost be like a three-technique type of guy, really, at the end of the I day. I think he's physical enough to do whatever you want. He, I think he, he was a find. Uh, I think at the end of the day, yeah, they're probably missing that safety that can do a little bit of everything, yes. like your guy that went to the Eagles uh, that they took from the Rams. Yes, McLeod. Uh, Mc- yes, Rodney McLeod. I'm just going to say this. Yeah. Let's think about this if you're the Browns. Right. you got 12 or 11 picks in this draft. you got 12 or 11 picks in the next draft because of the trades you've made. You have a very good offensive line. You have some weapons at running back. You have a good stable of wide receivers. You have pieces on defense. Yeah. Ben Roethlisberger's retiring soon. The Bengals are slowly falling apart because they have a lot of money allocated to a few people at cornerback and wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the Ravens. Ravens, the Ravens are kind of existing in They're this. In the middle right now. Cleveland could, if they get their guy, yeah, if they get a quarterback and Miles Garrett and then draft well, they're they're positioned very well in a in a in a division That's that I think is going to be up for grabs in about two three years. Yeah. I'm just so interested to see what they do at quarterback. I mean, whether it's this go is our, out, this is a big Garoppolo. analytics draft. Yeah, what are they going to do? I mean, go after Garoppolo. Do they give some of the mortgage some of these picks to go after Kirk Cousins? Do they mortgage some of these picks to make sure they can not get S- Mitchell Trubisky stolen by anybody somewhere between maybe two and they, twelve? Maybe they trade up to two. I, I and maybe the, the Browns take Garrett and Trubisky one two. I'm not going to be mad at them. Listen, if you think Trubisky's the guy, go with it. Did you watch Kevin King yet? Yes. So uh, Colin Hart at Can I Call You Colin? Sim's thoughts on Kevin King yeah. didn't get his take during the last CB positional breakdown. Right, like Kevin King a lot. I mean, he is. He's uh, in your top nine cornerbacks. He is. I think. I think I have him like a fifth or sixth, realistically. You right have him there. above of Tre'Davious White. You I have do. him above um, the the Alabama Marlon Humphrey. Humphrey. I yeah. do. Yeah. I mean, listen. There's some things to really like about Kevin King. First of all, he's a different type of animal. I mean, this is like truly a praying mantis at the corner position. He's he's think of Richard Sherman, right? Except he's a better prospect than Richard Sherman was coming out of the draft. Mm. I mean, Richard Sherman, there's a reason he was the third round pick. And we're talking about this kid being in the first round. Uh, King, the one thing I'll say that I was really amazed with him as I'm pulling up his here it is his notes for a really long guy. 
He's unbelievable in change of directions and things like that. Who's the other corner on Washington? Uh, the other corner is the Sidney Jones kid, who I've yet to watch because I'm kind of putting those injured, right. let's see if they go on right. round one or town two. It's kind of the end of the back burner here. But uh, really got – listen, I wrote real long corner, long and thin, Don't uh, doesn't have a thick, dense, or wiry muscle body. But he's not gangly. Uh, le- he's not gangly like most really tall corners – Actually, let me hear the Sims overview. Yeah, okay, sorry. I'm just getting to his body control, short area movements, change of direction to all are very good for his size. Uh, I think at the end of the day, I wrote, kid is an impressive long athlete, but I don't think he's round one material. So okay. that's what I wrote. Someone somewhere in round two, top 45 picks in the right scheme will be perfect for him. Because what he is, is that, that scheme? It's the Seattle type of scheme. You're not gotcha. a guy, this is not a guy you're going to want on an island all day long, like against some of the shiftier receivers in football. I always use like the Antonio Browns yeah. or the Odell Beckham Juniors. Yes, he might be able to run with them flat speed when they go go routes, but when they do like that slant <laughs> and return yeah. or the option route inside, that's where he's going to struggle. So it, the scheme will be important. Gotcha. I wrote, yeah, he's not the the kind of kid to convert to safety, anything like that either, because he's just not physical enough and he's not a good enough tackler. Washington had some prospects. What? Holy crap. They are killing it. Chris uh, Peterson, huh? I mean, yes, between those, the two corners, Buda Baker. I mean, you know, we talked about Shaq Thompson a few years ago. John Ross. Right. You know, Shaq Thompson would really be the right argument for me with, like, the whole Jabril Peppers thing, too. You know, Shaq Thompson, I was never impressed with the film. You know that. The number one thing you always said about Shaq Thompson, I think I like him at running back the most. Exactly. And, you know, and there we go. Luke Keekley gets hurt last year, and the number 15 pick doesn't even get put in at linebacker. They, they went with A.J. A.J. Klein. Right. Drew Whiteside at Drew Whiteside 12. His question, how do teams handle unpredictable draft picks from teams before them that blow up their draft boards? Yeah, well, everybody – Teams are going to not only have a big board as far as, like, grades overall and how they rank them, so they're going to know whatever. Let's just say the top 100. They have them ranked for where they are just in case, like, oh, man, we're picking at, you know, we're picking at 20 and pretty much whatever. Maybe the top 10 went, but then, like, 20 through 30 went. So we still have 10 through 20 here, whatever it may be. There's not only a big board as far as how it's rated, but they're also going to rate the positions uh, as far as how they're rated and how they fit into their scheme. So all those things are going to be taken into account. Uh, And so it's not going to be one of those things. No one's ever caught off guard. What might catch guys off guard, though, is they go, wow, you know, okay, the next guy on our big board – man, this is not a position we need, really. That doesn't make sense. In fact, the next three people on our big board don't make sense. But we need a guard, and, man, the guard doesn't match up to taking him at pick, let's just say, 25, right? He really should be somewhere between 40 and 50. So they go, man, we don't want to take the value there. So that's where teams do scramble and just go – Okay, what are we going to do? What we, what's the blend of yes. our big board and what we kind of need and what can make so sense? So if you want to see a good example of this, the Amazon Prime uh, show with the Arizona Cardinals, they were in there for the draft, and the Cardinals really wanted Amir Abdullah. And it was coming up to them in like the end of the second, or it was like the, the middle of the second round, and Detroit traded up and took Amir Abdullah. And they were sitting there, and they're like, motherfucker. Like, they were sitting there like, we're going to get Amir Abdullah. He's going to be our guy. He's going to be our guy. And then they show in the third round, they're like, okay, so here's the deal. 
there's this kid from Northern Iowa that we really like. His name's David Johnson. And Bill Bidwell, like the owner, was like, who is this guy? I've never even heard of this guy. They're like, trust me, he caught all these balls. They're like, he's caught a lot of balls? Well, if you like him, okay. So it was just them reacting and being like, okay, then we need to go somewhere else here. But you could see they were like, shit, like yeah. what the hell are we going to do right now? Yeah. That's a very yeah. cool real-world example of how they it blew up their plans. And then they immediately were like, who's next on our board? All right, we'll worry about running back next because we don't have any running backs graded this high. Yes. I mean, and some of this is going to be done on the fly. Like It no has joke. to be. That's what he's saying. Like, I could tell you teams that I know of that have been literally been like, man, the two running backs we want in the second round are off the board, and they literally start to watch film of other Stop. running backs. Yeah, just to go back one more time because they're like, we didn't think we were going to have to pick between this group here. Wow. So they literally go back and just go, let's give it one more look together. For me, just to go everything like, comes back to Bill Belichick and situations. Mm-hmm. If you're ready for any situation in a football game, you'll be prepared. If you're ready for any situation in a draft room, you won't freak out and draft. We all do it very simply in our fantasy football drafts. You're sitting there and you're waiting for T.Y. Hilton in the third, and he goes to the end of the second, and you immediately go, ah, Ah, I got to take Mike Evans. Like, you just, you naturally have yep. your guys ranked and all that. Well, the New England, too, just, I'll get off the subject real quick. Go, go New England's it. like the opposite, right? They're like, they're the team that you go, they go, man, we didn't have him to like the seventh round and they just took him in the third. What yeah. the hell? And, but that's also why they have busts from every now and then. Who's the kid from Stanford we always talk about? Uh, Ed Reynolds? No. Oh, no, yeah. that was that, you know, no, he went to the Eagles. He was the Eagles guy? Hold on. Where the heck is this guy? I'm blanking on his name. Yeah, Jordan Richards. That's who I'm thinking yes. of. Jordan Richards. They took him, what, in the third round? Yeah. And you were like, I think you wrote, I think I saw him in some crossover film, and I don't think he's good. Right. And he was the 64th overall pick. He was the last pick of the second round. He hasn't sniffed the field in New England. <sighs> Now, he's still there going three years as a that's pro. Why, that's why Belichick has shifted pick. everything to free agency this year. And has this year not even proven to what we've talked about more than ever? That Belichick has given up on the draft? He's, he's the, the hell with it. A Rex Burkhead, Mike Gillsley, doesn't matter. He's going exactly with what you said. Tony Ely. I've seen these guys in the NFL Brandon Cooks, Stephon Gilmore. Right. He is literally just giving up draft picks now, and it's funny. Everyone's like, man, we got all these Patriots picks, and he's like, there's variants. I know how they are once they join the NFL. I know their work ethic. I know their ability to play at this level. And he goes, you know what? And I can get them at lesser a price because you're coming here and you want to win. Danny Rome at Danny Rome with two Ys. The Rome? With this year's DB class being so good, will teams wait and address Mm. needs at other positions like Mm. OL and LB? Being that there's not as much talent. Yeah, we had this conversation today on the on Facebook Live because that's a, it's almost like last year's D line group. Lefko made it a, a great analogy. We, we kept talking that. about it. Yeah, because I do. This draft is going to be dictated by the DBs, and is it going to be just this huge? First of all, I do think it's going to break the record in the first two rounds. Now, round by round, where does it break the record? Are the teams like our man there just said? Are they going to go, man, there's so many DBs. Let's just take one of these other positions where there's not a lot of elite players and just take them there, and we'll wait to the second round where there'll still be a bevy of DBs left. Or are they going to go, you know what? we got to get our guy. we got to get our guys right now. 
because the DBs are special. And to me, there's just not a lot of special anything else out there this year. That's where I think it's going to be different than yeah. last year. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe because they all Because la- last year we kept saying about with defensive linemen. Ashawn, Jerron Reed. Four defensive tackles went in the first round. Sheldon Rankins, Kenny Clark to uh, the Packers, Robert Kimdichi to uh, Arizona, and Vernon Butler to Carolina. But look, they all went at the end, 27, 29, 30. Right. It was like, oh, man, there's a run. Right. And then at defensive end. And I thought for sure. We like saw Chris Bosa, Jones Buckner, and Lawson go. Yeah. But think about the guys that we thought could have been first rounds. We thought Dodd could have been a first round. Right. We thought Jihad Ward had a chance of right. being a first rounder. And then Ashawn Ronson, Chris Jones went in the second round. Jerron Reed, we thought could have been a first rounder. Right. Uh, so, yeah, if you look Malik at it. Malik Collins started for the Cowboys. I mean, if you look at defensive linemen last year, one, two, three, four, eight defensive tackles went in the first two rounds. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So 15 defensive linemen went in the first two rounds, which is a lot of defensive linemen. It is. But it's interesting. They really all started going at the end of the first round because a lot of those teams thought, I'll get one with the next pick. Right. I just know this. Quarterbacks are so important in today's NFL. Mm -hmm. And if you really believe this is it and you can get a number one or number two guy, why not take two? You know, I mean, it depends on building your team, but, like, grab one of the sure things. Don't risk it or else I always go back to Marcus Smith with the Eagles. Yeah. They thought they were going to get D Ford. The Chiefs surprised everybody and took him at 21. They traded down and took Marcus Smith because they had to get that guy. Yeah. If you need to get the guy, get the guy. Yeah, I'm with you. That's, uh, I think that's their right everyone's like Everyone's like everyone, – the advice is always trade back. Well, especially with picks. quarterback. It's always like, well, the value is not there. And, you know, what, what is the value? I mean, I'm just so sick of hearing it. It doesn't matter. I mean, they you know, again, they valued Blake Bortles as the number three pick. So then the value is just not that great of a conversation to me anyway. So I agree. EJ Manuel, Russell, you know, uh, Russell, the big quarterback from LSU. Jamarcus. Jamarcus Russell. I mean, yeah, Christian Ponder, all those guys. So if they can go in the top ten, yeah, Jake Locker, then these guys could go in the top ten too. That's all I got on Twitter. Uh, I like the iTunes review. So if you guys want to do that, those are the first ones that we're going to read. So if you you can give us a five-star comment, please, uh, five-star review, and then comment with a question or a comment. Make it funny. Continue to gas up Fendrick because I know he really appreciates it. it. And we'll read them. So Sims always does his scouting reports when we break down. And then someone, what was the comment? It was uh, Sean Sheehy, I think it was, who wrote a couple weeks ago, called me producer kid, and then asked me to do a scouting report. So what we've done is, how did you decide on Malik McDowell? Uh, I mean, I wasn't going to give him an offensive lineman. I didn't know what to do. We kind of did it. So first of all, my film watching got messed up yesterday at home. Why? Because I had no internet for seven hours. I like the way that you said internet. Internet. We had no power, and everything I have is on an iPad on the cloud. So I could not watch film, which drove me crazy. So so today he goes. What did you do for seven hours? I went and played basketball. I went to the dent. I called the dentist because I was like, well, I got nothing to do. <laughs> I was like, I actually have a chip too. I have nothing to do. And I'm like, let me and just chill like, sure, out and watch movies. In. And you're like, let me get that dentist. Yeah, in. I got it out of the way. Uh, but so I came on Malik McDowell because. That's a weird phrase. He's. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is. I came on Malik McDowell All right. because. All right. See, that's I, the problem. Is you can't do a passing <laughs> joke with Sims because he's going to say it out loud. Because I thought. Um, He's a little bit of a polarizing figure. The phrase would be, I came to Malik McDowell. Oh, thank you. And um, 
and I wanted to find a guy that wasn't just a slam dunk easy evaluation. Right. So you made Fentrick do scouting. He's literally holding a huge legal pad. I see stars. I see underlines. I tried, to, I tried to scout like Sims. And just so you know, I mean, Malik da- McDowell, we'll just get into it right now. Yep. I mean, we've seen him in late first round mocks. I mean, how is that even possible? Oh, look at Johnny Scout coming Whoa. in. <laughs> Johnny All right, so on. is it better to just have Josh do it? Yeah, so here, I'll give a little background of the guy. Just I'll read his measurables, and okay. then you start and in, okay? Do you have your Malik McDowell notes? Because we should compare notes scout to scout here of uh, you know what we both think of the guy. Uh, Josh is feeling real I'm saucy. Feeling you, real you are right. That is neat. Hold on. Give me that a second. Is neat. We'll cut this out afterwards. Yeah, oh, we can cut this out. Yeah. All right, well, let me. We're not we, going to cut we it out. We never cut it out. All right, he is 6'6", 295. He's got incredible arm length at 34 and three quarters, and he was a top 50 recruit. So this guy came in with a lot of hullabaloo, uh, and uh, Lance Zerline has him projected as a first-round pick. Let me just get into his combine numbers while Sims looks. Right. Uh, was not top five in any major categories. 23 reps on the bench, very low vert, 28.5, uh, 4.85 40-yard dash, which is pretty impressive to be honest at 295 um but so you find that i say we let uh yeah, let him take go. It away. i can't think i can't figure out where the all right I put so this guy. the first thing i wrote is shit this guy is big <laughs> chris said to me that he wanted me to look and just see what jumped off the screen right away and i thought his calves looked really big i thought that his calves looked like the size of my thighs right. just as a as some perspective <laughs> what about the rest of his body uh don't know much about the rest of his body. Really fucking tall. I mean, he just wrote, very honey, tall. Honey, honey, he wrote sheet as an S. No, I wrote shit. Shit with two exclamation points. Uh, That's good. I also wrote that I thought he looked really great in his uniform, and I like that he does the double tape. Like, he tapes both of his wrists, and right. the tape creeps out of the gloves. Right. And I just I wrote that it was a very clean and symmetrical look out on the field. <laughs> wow, that's great. I'm glad you added that, because like, that's what Bill Belichick would want to know when he reads the evaluation. How does his tape job look on his well, wrists? Well, you asked me you asked me to make some observations about him, Chris, so I did. Uh, that's okay. incredible. Moving on to How his, are his legs and ass? Moving on to his football ability. Um, my first impression of him was that I thought that he was not affecting enough plays. I thought that every play that I was watching of him, it seemed like he was getting blocked away from the play very early, and the ball would be on the opposite side of the field, and he would just be standing on the far sideline watching the play from afar. Right. Uh, I also wrote... So you're telling me his motor wasn't very good. Yes, his Thank motor you. was not very good. Thank you. Well, let's go on. Do you agree with that? I totally agree with okay. that. Awesome. Yes. I would have questions about that, certainly. Uh, so Fendrick is starting off strong, yeah. other than the tape job. I wrote <laughs> that I thought that his, his balance did not look very good. I thought that there were multiple instances where he was going, not up against the double team, just going up against one guy and would get completely knocked off attacking the quarterback. Sims just fist pump Frederick. And there was one play on the POA against Michigan, right. 71 the tackle, right. where uh, McDowell went up against him. The tackle just jabbed him in the chest, and he like completely fell over, and just it looked like he was faking an injury almost. I know the play you're talking about, But he about, was right. completely fine. He right. just got fucking rocked, right. and he couldn't stay up. He had like, no pride to stand yeah, up. Yeah, and he just couldn't stand up, and right. he kind of like rolled around a little bit. So yeah. Fendrick's on point here. Fendrick's on point. Listen, he's, this guy's a polarizing guy to this point. First of all, the thing he said about the balance, that's the number one issue. You and I talked about this, I think, on Facebook Live, right? Well, when Fendrick I said, is excited. Well, He's, first of all, he has a very narrow base in which he lines up in. He's very narrow in general at 6'6", 295. And 
you know, what's my phrase on guys that are on the ground too much? It's it's a losing cause. Right. Well, you're Why? going to hurt the play. People yeah. trip over you. You cause injuries. Right. You hurt your I own was going to say that he doesn't follow the number one Sims rule. When he loses, he loses. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That's you like guys that when they lose, it's a stalemate. Exactly. All right, so yeah. keep going, Frederick. Uh, there was another play on the POA that I spotted just on that same note. He uh, wrote, fell over WTF in circle <laughs> A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember, that's how you need to read it. That's true. Read the circles. Read uh, the stars. I just wrote bad play. What does that star thing say? Oh well, that that was my other. That was just the question that I was going to end with, oh. which I don't know. I don't know what position he is because I saw him line up in the middle. I saw him line up At on the, the outside. Right. Sometimes he was standing. Sometimes his hand was on the ground. Right. And in none of those, he didn't look good at any of them. Right. So I don't know what he's going to play. And then I've also. I mean, he's only two hundred ninety-five pounds. I don't only, know. Only. That wasn't well, big enough for but you. But can he play D tackle? Like, is he a D tackle? Yeah, I mean, he could okay. play. Okay. Solomon Thomas could go second overall. He's a 275. Wasn't pound that the whole conversation tackle? we had about Solomon Thomas, though, was that he didn't weigh enough? I well, guess yeah. he's got 20, like 295. 20 pounds more. Okay. Yes. Yeah, but go ahead. That. Don't worry. That's all right. Uh, okay. Oh, he got so, discouraged for No, no, I'm not discouraged because <laughs> I nailed the number one thing was the balance. That was the first thing I wrote. Balance doesn't look <laughs> okay, great. Okay. So, so this is the next. Hold on, hold on. You got one more. Get it out. The bad play against Maryland. So there was one play against Maryland where. He got well, this up. Hits, this hits home for it you. It does hit home for me. He got up field. He was about to sack the quarterback. Right. But the problem was, it almost looked like he wasn't paying attention because the running back had the ball and was twenty-five yards down the field. So he has bad, bad eyes in the backfield. Yeah, when it he's just getting seemed. Blocked. Yeah, and then there was also a play where he was just standing there looking, but did not make any move in either direction right. to go towards the ball. Okay, so you're so you're you're spot on about a lot of the stuff, at least from what I saw as well. I mean, I I, I really do think you're spot on. Uh, your scouting report pretty good, but the one thing we're missing, right, in your scouting report is at least. What was he like as an athlete, right? I don't want you to know. Don't tell me about production and yep. he made tackle. What did you think of the way he moved at 6'6", 295, and the things he could do? You talked about what position he is. Right. He's obviously a little gifted to be able to be a defense end at 295 right. and a D tackle, uh, right? So yeah. what, what, what at least athletically did you think there was anything there that was redeeming about him, I, anything? I thought he was very – I thought he was athletic, and I, there were a couple plays in there where I did see him chase after a quarterback right. and get close. Right. But I also felt that a lot of the big plays that he had in the backfield that I saw on the POA – were gifted to him. Like, he was standing there waiting for it. So I didn't really feel like I saw the athleticism that much on the POA. Good. All right. Well, am I right about that? Yeah, you're what right. What grade Listen. would you give Fendrick for his uh, scouting report? I mean, that was like a B, a B grade. You know, what did you, what did you think he was going to give? Um, honestly, with Fendrick, I was probably – I was expecting B or higher, really. <laughs> well, I'm proud of you, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. It was. That. It was good. Just making sure I didn't miss anything. Uh – He's kind of clumsy. I, I saw him get knocked over a couple times. No doubt. That's a big issue for me. Also, You're- another question for you. Uh, when a guy is getting double teamed, yeah. I saw a couple instances where it looked like the offensive line did a really bad job on the double team where there was like a clear, like he should have just stepped over and just ran at the quarterback. And it looked like he didn't know to do that. He didn't. He is just- that... Like well, how, are, how are offensive linemen coached to double team someone like Malik McDowell? Well, it do, it's going to be dependent on where he's lined up in that double team, right? Is he in between the middle of both of them? Is it one of these things where one guy has to kind of take on the workload yeah. and then the get bumped pushing. off a little bit, yeah. right? So uh, there's a lot of ways that could go. Um, but I think your talk about balance. And falling uh, and clumsiness. Falling, lack that's, of effort. That's, as the one guy that didn't watch this, yeah. 
That's what I'm gathering. Is right. it sounds like he's a physical guy that you want to move all over the place. Got potential, but it sounds good. like he's not a he's not a hustler. It sounds like he's not a pusher. Yeah, and it sounds like he's not stable. Yes, I think that's a very valid. So where thing. do you put him? You know, I don't think he's. What I, was your read? The you I, I can't. I can't. I couldn't find it. I don't, in fact, I don't even know if I wrote him down yet. For some reason, I feel like I watched him and I didn't write. What's it. your big overview? My though? big overview, though, is really what he kind of said there. I don't know where the hell I put him in my notebook. Um, <laughs> the the big overview with him, though, is yes. What position is he going to be? Um, the play is sloppy. He doesn't play hard enough for me at times. He does get moved around too much in one on one blocking and double teams. But he does have some very redeeming physical quality traits. To be that size and be that athletic, it is. What but is Mark D'Antoni's pedigree? Uh, he's a D'Antoni. defensive guy. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think the coaching at Michigan State is good. It is. Because I know good. a lot of guys would be like, oh, I can coach him up if he's a, a wide receiver at South Carolina. Right, right. Um, But at Michigan State, I kind of think you're going to be pretty polished. You're, you were, and he's not polished. That's what I mean. And it's weird. So right. he either doesn't take coaching well. Certainly. I think those are a little bit so of the So you issues. give him a what grade? Uh, I really don't think he's. What, what round? Oh, yeah. I don't think he's a round one material. Third round. Yeah, I, I think Fendrick says he's a third rounder. His tape would probably say third round, but his physical ability, right. second round, it's going to yeah. bounce him up, especially in a seemingly weak. He's going to go. I would class. say somewhere. I mean, he could go. I would think somewhere between thirty and fifty. Really, really. I have two other uh, great job. I'm actually what very you proud of you. Scott, Scott, yeah, good stuff, guys. <laughs> I think we should make you do one more next week. Uh, offensive line. Yeah, you've been watching some, right? And you told me that you don't see. A uh, top ten guy in this draft? No, I mean I think that there's a guy you can make a a case for in the top ten. And it is Ramsek. I, I hope I'm saying that right. I got to work on these names, but the Wisconsin tackle, left tackle, right? Yes. He can maybe be the guy. But Your I don't big think realistically, thing to me was you don't see a lot of tackles. You think all the big tackle prospects are actually guards? Yes, I really Forrest do. Forrest Lamp and all those guys. Yes, Forrest Lamp is a guard all the way. I didn't. I I literally wrote like the second line. I was like, love the kid's body. No way he's an NFL left tackle, though. He is built like a poor man's version of a Zach Martin or somebody like that. Nor is his film impressive enough for me to draft him at left tackle. And, uh, yeah, he projects as a guard. Cam Robinson, he's the the third guy, I would say, that's at least a first-round offensive lineman. I think he's a guard there as well. Really? I just don't think he has the foot speed to play left tackle in the NFL. I think he's more of a mauler in the middle of your offensive line. right tackle? Maybe, yes. I mean, he can do it, but I just don't think it's ideal. Gotcha. And if you had to patch him there for a year or two before you move him so somewhere you're else. Re- you're really, you've really found the offensive line to be very underwhelming. Very underwhelming. Like Guys like Garrett Bowles have first-round talent. Maybe he goes in the first round. He's got incredible physical ability and athleticism. But the game is so raw. I mean, it's really raw. To concern me to where I wouldn't take him in the first round. Um, you were saying he's rawer than Cedric Obwehi. Cedric Obwehi, and he's like 25 years old. Yeah, I didn't even realize he was that old. And that's so. that's a huge knock for me when we were talking about the bias theory. Right. We were talking about age and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, guys like him, he could be a legit left tackle at some point in his career. Even maybe the Deion Dawkins kid from Temple, who I really just started in on. Yeah. He has at least the physical traits for me to be, you're a left tackle. Like left tackles, you got to be like freakishly, you know, you know what I've yes. said. I mean, you got to be a freaking caveman to play left tackle. Tyron Smith is a transformer. Right. Right. Jonathan Ogden was one of the most impressive people you'll ever see. Right. Walter Jones could literally run with wide receivers. Right. 
Orlando Pace was fleet of foot. None of these guys Those can are also handle Hall of Famers, but the anchor, though. But even if we just took the top you left mean, tackles. You mean, because the thing that they have to do is they have to handle the speed of a Justin Houston right. and the power of a Khalil Mack. Right. And some of them can't do either. And some of them, though, some of those guys have both. Like, you know what I mean? Khalil Mack's got great speed yes. that's going to scare you. And then he has speed to power, which yes. is going to be like, oh, shit. Yeah. So, yes, that is the scary prospect but with all these But because of that. It's the opposite of the of the cornerbacks. I could see teams waiting on cornerbacks. I could see teams trading up for Forrest Lamps and Ramjicks because might. if you don't get them, if you're a Denver Broncos or a Seattle Seahawks, or Giants, and you or like Giants, and you think that you have a Super Bowl team and yeah. you need that offensive lineman, yes. you move up for that guy. And then when the Seahawks need that corner in the second round, then you get the Kevin King kid. Right. Then, you know. So that would make sense to me. That's why we always trade up for quarterbacks. Yeah. There's less quarterbacks. There's less offensive linemen, supply and demand. That's crazy. The there was a visit that you found very interesting, and we talked about in the kitchen. Oh. Hassan Reddick, who Sims truly believes is a top five talent in this draft, defensive end for Temple, who you really believe is could be a stud middle linebacker. Yeah. Visited the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, on the show before, I said, you know, if Buda Baker's there for the Eagles at 14, I know that we really need uh, cornerbacks, but a three-safety move could be really cool with Malcolm Jenkins, McLeod, and Buda Baker. And why doesn't any of these teams add more safeties? It helps out with running backs. It helps out with tight ends. They could also guard wide receivers. And you said the Jaguars could evaporate the nickel. If Hassan Reddick goes to the Jaguars, explain that. Well, uh, you know, I thought of you right away, first of all, because it went to the question. I remember a few years ago where I was like, man, you know, the Buccaneers don't want to take Mike Evans. They already got a big, tall receiver yes. in, in, Vincent, in Jackson. Vincent Jackson. And you kind of said, well, what's wrong with having two big? And I was like, you know yeah. what? You're right. What is wrong with that? So with this, yeah, when if, I first If you have a hard time it, guarding Vincent, well, now try and guard two yeah, of them. Right, yes. exactly. So – when I thought about this, and I hear Hassan Riddick go to – Hassan Riddick is, for me, is definite top ten pick, and he's definitely one of the five big best specimens in the whole draft, right? And when I look at it from that standpoint and you go, oh, man, Jacksonville had him in? I mean, Jacksonville doesn't really have a need at linebacker. At all. Right. But Miles Jack, Telvin Smith, Puzlesny. Right. But it's a draft that's, again, lack of top-end talent, right? So I think they're probably doing the same thing I've been saying. They're going, man, there's not a lot of physical freaks in this draft, and this guy's one of them. And even though we don't need the position a whole lot, like maybe he's just too good and we don't have another need that's strong enough, and let's just do it. And I said, man, if they win Hassan Riddick, they would start – they could start a new theme in the NFL, basically. I mean, they would – I would guarantee if they got Hassan Riddick, they would, they would be a nickel personnel less than anybody in football because Hassan Riddick and Miles Jack from uh, UCLA last year – And Telvin Smith. And Telvin Smith, I mean, they can run better than – I could take three safeties off a team and go, you can't run like these three right here. So what I mean, Sims was saying is if you have those three linebackers on the field plus your two safeties in your corners – if you go out there and you split out wide receivers, the linebackers can run with them. And then if they try and go hurry up and try and run on you, we don't need to take our personnel out. Yep. They'd be one of the few teams in the NFL that are perfectly positioned to stop the run and the pass and wouldn't have to change personnel, right. which would throw other teams through a loop. Definitely. Is, this, a loop. is this in any way similar to your uh, NFC West thing with Tyron Matthew and uh, – 
the other Damn, Buchanan. Buchanan. Yeah, of, yeah. of that position. I mean, it, it's similar to that. It's just a different way of doing it. Yeah, but like, instead of it's safeties that are physical enough to play linebackers, it's linebackers that are actually faster than most safeties. Yeah, like, gotcha. I, you know, Miles Jack, I remember writing in my notes last year, like, he played a game against BYU. As a full safety the he whole time. He played nickel corner cornerback. the whole freaking game. That's and he all had the he big did. pick at the end of the right. game. Right. He was running down the field with tight ends and receivers. Now, listen, they don't want to make a living of, like, putting these guys in an island man-to-man, but could, like, a Hassan Riddick or a Miles Jack, you know, cover some of the slot receivers in the NFL man-to-man from time to time? Yeah, they could. But primarily, Jacksonville is a zone defense anyways. Yeah. So they don't really – the guys are only playing man are really the guys on the outside. Everybody else playing zone, it would work. I just think it would be a really interesting combination, but they should still go Leonard Fournette at four. Only thing I hope they don't do is practice with the Patriots uh, because when you practice with the Patriots, which apparently the rumors are, you give away all your secrets and you lose when you play them. And then when they're ready to to steal your players in free agency, wow, Telvin Smith signed with the Patriots? Oh, and they paid him a lot more money than everybody else? How did Belichick know that he was going to be so good? Yeah, right. Because he scouted them and he probably put in like spy equipment. Listen, they're all over them. And like I told you, I mean, I would never practice against New England. And to me, I mean, you look at it, it always seems like he's got the up-and-coming team, right, that he's practicing mm. against. Oh, there's this whole new team with a flock of talent. Let me evaluate them real quick. I'll do nothing on my side and run the same four plays all week, and they'll run all their plays because they're going to want to look impressive against the Patriots. One more thing I wanted to get to football-wise before we start to wrap up. You had texted us earlier about analytics in the NFL. Pro Football Talk had the whole thing about the Burkhead and the Gillisley signings yeah. and how analytics has always been a part of the NFL. Yes. What was your big thing Well, there? my big thing is, yes, it's always been part of the NFL. So this is no new thing, right? I mean, that's what scouting is. It's the compiling of uh, information with the stats and every team has analytics. So, you know, I I get annoyed when I hear that, like sometimes with these writers and everybody else out there, they just go, oh, they're getting into analytics. No, like Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells were doing analytics in the 70s. Like, that's what they do. Now, Belichick might have a better, more foolproof formula of analytics, but, you know, I I get frustrated when they say like, oh, Mike Gillsley and Rex Burkhead were the most efficient first down makers in football. Okay, well, they had special little skill. I mean, all I was saying is you can't take analytics 100%, right? Yes. Yeah, right. Rex Situationally, Burkhead, they're used differently. They're used differently. Like Rex Burkhead, he got a lot of first downs on third down because they put him on the slot in third and four, and they said, you know what? He's dependable and smart, so we'll draw up a play for him to get the yes. third and four. It wasn't like we were like, oh, they just threw the ball at Rex, and he beasted somebody and it's broke nine tackles. It's the same thing when it's like Matt. it was my whole Matt Stafford fourth-quarter comeback thing. Yeah, I get it it's, because yeah, he put them in the hole at times. Yeah, but you look, it's like Tom Brady's probably not great at that because he's never down the fourth quarter. Well, yeah, and, 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 and like New England, those players work because – they want the analytics kind of guys because their system is so foolproof and awesome. They just want a guy that go, we've seen him do that. He can do it and not screw it up, and re- our system will take the rest. We don't need him to make a physically gifted play, there right? You, you know, I mean, are you kidding me? Do you want Gillsley or LaShawn McCoy on second and four on a toss sweep? I mean, get the hell out of here. I don't care what the analytics say. I want LaShawn McCoy. Yes. And it's also easier being the second and third running back when the bright lights aren't on you. So when you're the main guy, Man. is that going to change? There's no way to win that. Well, well, coach, uh, according to the stats, Mike Gillisley would have been better in that situation. And then the coach looks at the guy and goes, you're telling me you would have rather handed it off to Mike Gillisley than LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, right, right. Uh, the only other thing I want to say is a few weeks ago we talked about famous kids and investing in kids. And it was Jeter and Hannah Davis. That was the one you picked. Beyonce and Jay-Z, yep. George Clooney, and, and his incredible wife. I can't remember her name. That's bad. Uh, Serena Williams apparently is pregnant. 
And we all know that Sims' thoughts about athletic moms leading to athletic kids, this one could be the most special of all time. Ooh, and we didn't know who the husband was, and we looked it up. It was me. Who the father was. Yes, excuse me. Uh, it was me, Sims, and Rory. The Is he the president? President. President of Bleacher Report. And we're looking at him, and Sims goes, oh, he's 6'5". And we're like, how did you see he's 6'5"? You think this kid could be unbelievable. I mean, first of all, I've seen Serena in person because she was dating Keyshawn when I was down there in Tampa. I never knew she dated Keyshawn. Yeah, and I walked out, I remember, in the players' lounge after the game once, and I was like, damn. You know, I saw just the backside of her, and I was like, holy cow, she's bigger than our safeties in the NFL. (laughs) So she's legit. And, yes, uh, big mamas produce big baby boys, and this kid is going to be – Ooh, Man, I think we got to take six, the the dad is six five and long. I know. I don't think this kid can be a skill position player. I'm thinking like oh, no, this kid's going to be like he's a world class Sam tennis player. linebacker. Now nah, he's going to be too fucking big to play. <laughs> this guy's going to this kid's going to be six four two sixty five. He's going to be Dante Hightower before he's a tennis player. That's wow. what I think. So <laughs> would you? Are you willing to remove your bet? From Jeter, Hannah Davis. Yeah, I'll go with Serena. You'll go with Serena. I'll go with Serena. I don't even know what this six-five guy is, but I'm going with his size. Man, man, just like that, just like that. Serena Williams. They might have LeBron. It might be LeBron. They might have (sighs) six-eight power forward. I love, I love, I love mom kid talks. This might, this might be the longest podcast ever. No way. We're at uh, an hour. I think we're like an hour twenty-two here. It moved though, dude. It moved. Yeah, good pacing to it. Great pacing. You know what it is? It's the host and his transitions. Well, this is all Lefko does all week. I mean, his friends even say, "Man, they pay you well enough just to do the podcast." (laughs) Well, uh, hopefully, (laughs) Fendrick makes title chapters for each of these topics because there was like eight or nine. Uh, Guys, thank you so much for your comments, your tweets, and all that. And again. If you can give us a five-star review on iTunes and then leave a comment and a question, if you want to mess with me, if you want to mess with Sims, if you want to mess with Fendrick, we are happy to read it because it gets really, really funny and really crazy. Next week, we are doing a podcast. We're going to talk about it just because if we do it Wednesday, then it comes out Thursday. So I'm thinking maybe Monday or Tuesday. Okay. We'll talk about it. Obviously, I should have talked about that before, but we will have a full draft preview one next week where we'll probably make our picks and all that stuff. Uh, So thank you guys so much for Sims. Peace out, homies. For Fendrick. Good night, everybody. I'm Lefko. Enjoy yourselves.